0: Powered by Ninety Two Degrees. Now, before I introduce my very exciting guest today, I just want to take a moment to say a huge thank you to Ninety Two Degrees. Through their Powered by initiative, they've given me the chance to make this podcast for you to hopefully enjoy listening to. Um, Their Powered by initiative is giving a lot of people the chance to do a lot of things that they want to, and it is not short in saying this podcast would not be happening without them. So, huge thank you to Jack and everyone else at Ninety Two Degrees. amazing people and they make amazing coffee. Uh, if you want to check out their coffee, head over to them on Instagram at 92degrees.coffee, on Twitter at 92degrees underscore, their website is www.92degrees.coffee. They're also on Facebook, just search 92degrees. And on their website, there's loads of information about coffee, how you're best brewing it, how you're best making it, the different kind of beans, where they're from, the taste, all the stuff you could ever need. Plus, you can buy your coffee, your equipment, everything from there. And if you do buy anything from there, please make sure you use the code BWB20 because you will get 20% off at the checkout and we all love a bargain, don't we? So, BWB20 for 20% off anything at 92 degrees. Now, I said uh, about a minute ago that I've got very, very exciting guests for you today and that's right, I've got two. This is the first time I've had two people on at once uh, and it made for an excellent conversation. My guests are former rivals, turned teammates, turned just really good mates of mine, uh, Northampton Saints stars, Lewis Lovelum and Harry Malander. We have a great chat about the pathway to the top of professional sports and how The two of them have had very different journeys there, um, overcoming injuries, overcoming mental challenges. Um, We talk about where Saints are at now, where they're going, how the future looks for that club. Uh, Loads of great insight, but also I really don't think you have to be a rugby fan to enjoy this one. There's just loads of great advice and interesting stories from the lads. Um, It's, yeah, a really interesting, great lesson, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Before we start, though, I do just have to make you aware the few stories being told, myself included, we get a little bit excited. There's a little bit of strong language in this one. So if that's not for you, obviously don't listen. No one will be offended. But yeah, a little bit of strong language in this one. Hope you don't mind. And more importantly, hope you enjoy this episode of Brew with Beckett, powered by 92 Degrees. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Brew with Beckett, powered by 92 Degrees. Today, I'm joined by two former teammates of mine and two current pivotal members of Northampton Saints squad. I've got co-captain Lewis Ludlam, and I've got Harry Malander. Uh, morning, gents. How are we? Morning,
1: Beckett. Very good, mate. And yourself? Good,
0: thanks. I'm very well, lads. I'm very well. Thank you very much for joining me today. I realise uh, people not knowing, the boys have joined me on their day off, which is very kind of them to. Uh, to give up some time for an old friend. Now, as I said at the start, we're former teammates, but a few people may be scratching their heads because if you know anything about the three of us, we never actually played for the same club. But we all met properly and became good mates, uh, well, I like to think good mates, you two might think differently, on uh, the England under-18s tour of South Africa. And we will touch on that in a minute because that's one of my favourite memories and we played with a lot of very good players over there. But before we were good mates, we were bitter rivals for a few years uh, because I came through the Leicester Tigers academy, and these two boys came through Northampton Saints academy. Now I'm going to throw it over to you two first, and then I'll I'll regale my memories of that. I know what it was like in the Tigers academy coming through when you play Saints was was that game the biggest game of the season for you boys growing up as well? Like, what, explain to people who don't really know what that rivalry is like.
1: Lads, do you want to start?
2: Oh, well, yeah, I'll I'll start us off. To be, to be honest, that was our Biggest game of the season, pretty much every year, and I think we probably knew every single one of you by name. Um, I even, I, I, I remember a specific story about Beckett. I used to drive on the way to play Leicester, and my dad, even my dad, used to say, "Yeah, make sure you get that Charlie Beckett lad." Knowing he was a horrible piece of work, so um, we sort of grew up through the academy. So I don't know if we adopted that from first team or what, but. Um, Whenever we played against Tigers from, I think it's probably under 16s, under 17s, it was always test match, wasn't it? So um, yeah, it was an interesting fixture always.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's, it's weird thinking about it now how um, how hype the hype we created around it compared to probably even nowadays, um, and obviously the insights that we had into opposite opposition and, and you lads when actually we didn't really know you at that point. <laughs> oh, mate, that's, it's, that's such a point. Like, you'd hear, like, the tiniest little bit of a story and
0: that would become gospel about this person. So, Lewis Loveland has been doing this and training, this, which means we've got to do this. And like, you're, like, where, looking back, you're like, where the hell did we get that from? Like, I remember we played you boys uh, under-18s at Wealth Road in the Academy League, and it was, like, the 20-something of December. And genuinely, the concern was, if we lost, Christmas would be ruined. Like, I'm <laughs> you're not kidding, like, if we, I think it was like the 27th of December, are the change would be like, we best not lose today because Christmas will be ruined, lads, we won't get over this. And you're like, Christ, we've got 18-year-old lads playing rugby, but it, it was just everything, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, everything, everything. And at that point, we were all probably paying for contracts around that time anyway, weren't we? It was sort of the time where we were finding out whether we were going to get full first-team contracts or not. So it was life or death in terms of your rugby career almost, and it was... Leicester tigers as well which the club sort of instowed into you that this was a, a big fixture so I, f- I reckon it was a combination of everything maybe let the occasion get the best of some of us didn't it becky
1: right well um
0: <laughs> it, it got the best of some of us but it also it brought the worst out so would you like to explain lewis what by maybe the unsavory thing i did to you that day i'm i'm still left with scars on my
2: face from that game was it i think it was 23rd december but he knows uh, he knows the exact Beckett. date. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never let it go. Ever. I was <laughs> like, I was over I don't know I don't know who got tackled, but I was over the ball, like in a good position, like I'd definitely been on it to warrant a turnover. And like Beckett's come to clear me out. Hasn't moved me very much. So he's just decided <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna try and get me for the ball some other way. So he's I, I reckon he hit me in the face at least seven or eight times in oh. the same
0: spot. Now the rest uh, of this uh, the rest <laughs> of the story I will attest to being true. I'm not sure it was seven or eight. I'd say it was two or three. It, it was a fa- it was a fair few
2: times. So we've okay we've won the penalty. Ref hasn't noticed anything. I've got blood coming all down my face. I can't see out my eye. Obviously kicked to the kicks the line out. And the first thing he says to me was Fuck me, lads, you're arguing you in after I've got <laughs> blood. I mean <laughs> down my face <laughs> at that point I knew Charlie Beckett was uh, was one of those and I think every time we played since then was the uh, he, he was the one I was I was targeting for sure
0: mate it's such a thing like my, my go to to call people and playing it's ugly and people look at me and they're like well you're no Mona Lisa yourself <laughs> like, they're just, just look at me like the cheek of you calling me ugly um, but yeah mate, those guys that I used to hate and Mal you can talk more about this you're, you're the only kicker in here but Playing in Southampton Academy, you give a penalty away on halfway and then Harry Mound would roll up. You'd be like, oh, here we go. And either put three points over or put you in the corner. And you're like, hang on. We're just giving a play away on halfway and now I'm defending my life five metres. And Mal never did anything wrong to me in his entire life. The fact that he could kick a ball well meant I hated him. But like, I'd go home and I'd be like, <laughs> I hate that Harry Mounder. Just cause he could kick well. Because <laughs> he could kick well and he wore a Saint shirt.
1: That's I, it, I, I, used to, I used to remember when we played that I would always know that it was you putting the cheap shot on me because it would come, like, five seconds after the ball had gone. <laughs> there was only one person on that field that was slow enough to get there so late. And it was you, Becky. It's almost a skill how late I get there sometimes. <laughs> I remember, I, remember
0: so I had a real issue when I was younger of um, tackling kickers late. It was like, I thought it was hard. I thought it was impressive. And I realized it was actually quite embarrassing. But I remember the moment it changed. Like I did it, um, did it for the 20s in our Six Nations first game uh, against Wales in like the third minute. And I've been the refs been like, you're lucky not to be getting red here and simping me. I've been sat there just getting abuse from like these mad Welsh people in the crowd, and I was like, I probably stop this. This isn't very clever. Um, <laughs> So, obviously, you hear you hear all those stories and people listening probably like, well, one, this Charlie Beckett's absolutely horrible. And if you're still listening to pod, my podcast, like, fair play, I, you're a better person than I am. But you're probably more thinking, like, why the hell are these two lads on this boy's podcast when he's been so awful to them in the past? Like, he kept hitting Malander late and he's given Ludd's actual scars. So, as I said, we grew up playing against other like that and weren't particularly nice to each other some more than others in my case. Um... But then everything's changed through our England Under-18s uh, programme, and especially that tour Africa. So I want to start with you, Mal, because do you remember how we got to the airport to go to South Africa?
1: I do, mate, I do. Well, we, we got a text, didn't we, from or an email from the team manager um, because they'd grouped people for travel. Uh, Geographically, haven't they? Geographical location. So I got this text through, I've, I've looked at the list. And obviously, the rest of the Saints boys didn't live anywhere near Northampton. Uh, I've looked at the list and I've seen Leicester Tigers, Leicester Tigers, Leicester Tigers, Northampton Saints. And that was me with three of you lads. And I just, <laughs> mate, I, I did everything. to I, I've probably not admitted this to you before, but I did everything to try and get out of it. <laughs> so like, I, remember, I remember, I can't even remember who it was, but I remember contacting the team manager being like, is there any other way I can get there? Can I get the train? You know, like, can I, can I pay for a taxi or something to get there, whatever? Just <laughs> we'll because pay out of my this. own pocket. Yeah, mate, I was so nervous about getting in a car with you, boys. And, and you'd obviously got in it first, and you rocked up with this driver who had no idea what was really going on. Mate, so so I'll t- I'll tell you what how it had gone
0: for us till then. So we it's me, Joe Maximue, and Owen Hills. And uh we get the text through, and I like, was straight in a group chat like, boys, have you seen the state of this? Like Mallon, like fucking Malander's coming in with us. Like I'm not. Oh. So we're we're getting the driver was Gary with his Pepsi Max in his fridge in the uh, glove compartment. Big <laughs> yeah. Gary. And we're there. Um, so Joe's in the front because Joe's six foot seven, so he gets the front. So it's me and Hilsey in the back with you. So we're like we're like well we're putting him in the middle. Like he's going in the middle. So like a Mal's six foot five. Like Mal's taller than me, and he's much taller than Hilsey so we're like he's going in the middle with the least leg room. So when he goes, and then and Hills are like kind of I just the most embarrassing things looking back. <laughs> and we have, this, we have this we have this car journey. I remember getting to key throw and the three of us looking at each other being like he he's all right, actually, I think. But like, no, 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 it can't be, he can't be, he can't be, he can't be all right. He plays for the same, thing. like, nah, we'll get over that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm not, like it was that car journey like, oh actually, he's just another human being. Like it really, really isn't isn't that different? I don't know how you felt about it, mate.
1: Yeah, exactly the same. It was it was um, a weird experience that car journey, but that was almost like the start because all of us really got on so well after that, didn't we?
0: Yeah, because obviously then, Ludge, you jump in here, we are, we fly over South Africa for for rugby point of view, like the most the best two week two of my favourite weeks ever in rugby. Like we're getting some of the players we had on that tour were mad, but the, uh, three of us with um. Owen and Joe, sort of Tigers and Saints was actually, and Fishy and a few other boys, kind of just got on really well the best out of everyone, didn't we?
2: Yeah, it was weird. I couldn't believe it when I turned up at, like, the hotel at Heathrow to get on a flight, and Mal was sitting with you lads on the same table, just Mal and Lester boys. Me yeah. and Fishy rolled in, we were like, what the hell is going going on here? And then I think it, it, it must have been a day or two, and before before you knew it, we were all pretty pretty close through that tour, so... um. Yeah, I mean, that was an unbelievable tour. Just the, the players we had and the, the tightness of the group. I think it was the first time as like a group of young lads that we came from sort of being binge at the clubs to coming together and sort of working towards something and, and and seeing how well everyone sort of got on on that camp, especially the, the Northampton and, and Tigers boys, was was really exciting, actually.
0: Yeah, like, like to give us some context, we were, what year was this? This was 2014. We had the chance to be... I think only the second ever under-18 side to go for the whole season undefeated because we'd obviously we played earlier in the season, but we'd only like meet up for three or four days at a time. So it was the first time we'd gone away, that group, for two weeks together. Um, we played Wales, where Mal did his special for the second time that season, kicked a 50-metre goal to uh, beat them with the last play. So we beat Wales, we then beat France, and then no-one no, no one at 18 goes and beats South Africa in South Africa, and that was what we had to do to, um, to have an undefeated season. We just... Like if you run through some of the players we had in that team, like for our back row, for example, was yourself, Luds, World Cup player, Sam Underhill, World Cup player, and me. So two careers went one way, one went the other. But like we had those two, like Ludlam and Underhill, could be the flankers for England now. Any world side starting, we had um Boise and Jack Walker in the front row, both um, Premiership players. Joe Batley, Kieran Treadwell in the second row. What Tread's plays for Ireland, Bat's in the in the. Um, in the Premiership week in, week out. And then what was our, who else did we have in the backs on? Were you, Mal? Like, Joe Marchant was there, wasn't he? He's international.
1: Yeah, lo- loads of lads um, that are now playing in the Prem. Yeah. I it's pretty much, I've, pretty much everyone is, is still at it now, which is pretty remarkable, I guess. Yeah. Because most, most teams, when you, when you look back to kind of 16s or 18s, a lot of them drop off, don't they? Or, a yeah. Yeah you know, like, just go different ways. Um, and, like, it's crazy how, how many lads have kicked on and still playing in different leagues or in different parts of the world now, which is quite exciting.
0: Yeah, you've got boys all over. You've got boys in the Pro 14, in Ireland, in Wales. You've got Genos over in France. You've got lads everywhere. It's like you say, it's extremely exciting. But um, we we beat South Africa, by the way. They am wondering. We did. We did <laughs> go undefeated. And then we had an one hell of a night out in Stellenbosch that night. That Actually, you know what? probably best not talking about on a recording because the stories that maybe <laughs> maybe can't get out but um, you said there my loads of boys all over the place I've obviously moved on massively since being at uh, uh, Leicester lads have moved a lot two boys you haven't moved are yourselves you've been at Saints the whole time through still there now so I just want to it takes on it's like you knew lads like that takes on to the next bit of my plan perfectly you two are too good at this um, about how it is at Saints now obviously i I say you boys still there how has it been with the uh, since the COVID restart, it's not been the easiest time results-wise. So, how have you boys found it? Obviously, playing in the COVID time, like I was at Gloucester, I know how it's different—the the testing, the difference of training and stuff, the social distance, etc. So, how have you found that? And also, how how has it been? Obviously, having the poor run of results, and hopefully coming out the other end of it now with um, with the Worcester win. So, you, you you take the lead on that, lads. Yeah, I mean, we we probably been you know, honestly honestly,
2: struggled to find our feet post COVID season. Um, if we have been honest with ourselves, we probably underperformed as a group of lads. So um, it, was, it was difficult and we still sort of thinking back but trying to find the reason why. Um, and, I, and I don't know what that is still, but um, I think we, we probably missed the atmosphere and the crowd and the occasion of the day. And being a young group of players who enjoy playing with each other and like to shut the ball around, that was... Um, something playing at home we got really really excited about and all of a sudden that's that's gone and you've got to find your energy and a buzz from somewhere else I think we probably in the beginning struggled to find that a little bit um, so yeah, l- last season probably in whole was a little bit of a disappointment with us the way we sort of started it to and then sort of <laughs> carried that through and only winning one game post-Covid was something that was I think as a group was probably disappointing for us but um, I think this this season in particular, I think we've really, really found our feet. I know we haven't won all of our games, but what's been encouraging is we've been improving over the weeks um, and it feels like everyone's sort of pulling in the same direction, um, which is which has been good. I mean, I've been in, been in losing teams before and I mean, we all have. And you know what it's like, you get lads sapping um, energy and um, there's bickering about if things don't doing right amongst the team, but I, I can honestly say saying so there wasn't wasn't any of that at all. And it was everyone pulling in the same direction, anyone everyone staying on task and sort of pulling in the same direction, which I think is a it j- just goes to show the sort of the tightness of the group in all honesty.
0: I think the I love what you said there, Matt. It's so important. I think how squads react to losing is actually more important how they react to winning because Everything's easy when you're winning. It's easy to have training. It's easy to do a tough session. It's easy to be sore after training and come to your recovery because you're winning. When you're losing, all that becomes a lot harder. I think testament for me was I watched the Bristol game where you lost in the last minute. And first of all, all I wanted to do was give you a big hug at full time. You looked like a broken man, like just heartbroken. Yeah. <laughs> because the way you boys played that night against a really quite phenomenal Bristol team was incredible. And I know that you win a game like that, you're no, no a sore, you lose, the next day you feel just dreadful. So I wanted to give you a big hug. But secondly, I was like, I was a little nervous. I was like, that's the sort of result that can destroy a season. Like, you you lose that one like that and that can just snowball into a season then goes off the rails. But actually, the way you boys came back from that and now got that win against Worcester, you pushed uh, Bordeaux close, did well against Leinster as well, actually, as well. And that Leinster team are incredible. Like, so much has been written and said about them. So I, I was really pleased to see you boys come back from that. I think the other thing, and Mal, you you can come in on this as and you've grown up, obviously with your dad that was such You've grown up at Franklin's Gardens your whole life pretty much with your dad uh, being the D.O.R. of. I think we aren't we are now finally seeing players fully appreciate what fans do. Like, I think we always have. But Actually, you take away the fifteen thousand screaming baseball at Franklin's Gardens, and suddenly you realise the effect you have on them. I know I felt it at um, Kingston. Not having the shed there, you're like, this is really strange. So I think, I think we're just seeing that. Do you think that's fair, Mal? How much do you think Saints boys are missing? Missing the um, the Northampton
1: faithful. Yeah, we we are the first to admit it. We we miss our fans so much, Charlie. We we, you know, they give us so much. Um, we have an unbelievable fan base, and the the support we get from a distance, and you know at the grounds on the weekends, it is incredible. Um and we, we feel their frustration as well in that they can't come along because we know how important um the rugby is to them and a big part of their lives. So it's been it's been challenging, but we've tried our best to engage with them, have not we Lids? and we've been we've been um we're just desperate for it to come back. There was glimpses, wasn't there, of it of them coming back and now that's been taken away slightly. Um and I think that's the ultimate frustration for us at the minute is that like you two have just touched on, we, we found some form, um, having, having struggled a little bit and we just want to get back out there now, um, and carry that on because we've had a couple of results, which, or a couple of games that have been, uh, stopped again by, by outbreaks in our team or opposition teams. So now we just want to get back out there, um, and and we're just all desperate to play because training's great, isn't it? But it's pl- it's playing that we uh, we do this for. You know, it's it's the Saturdays <laughs> or the Friday nights or the Sundays that we really get excited about, and so so we can't wait to get back out there. Exactly, mate. And don't you uh, don't you forget the Monday nights? They're important as well. And the Monday right, and the Monday
0: nights, <laughs> um, which is actually you, Oh mate, no one's as many as me. Trust me, I think if uh, if there was an A League Hall of Fame, I'd like to put myself forward for it. Uh, but it's actually interesting because we talk about um, well, Monday nights and talk about pathways. Um, I said both of you have been at Saints um, your whole career professionally, and you're both very much um, major members of the first team squad now. But actually, your pathway from academy to the first team from that 18 tour was was Quite different, um, and I want to touch on that. As in, normally you go, you play your 18 stuff, you play 20 stuff, you do a bit of a league. So a league, everyone doesn't know. It's called the Premiership Shield. Now is the reserve team league for the Premiership side to play on a Monday night. Um, you do, and then you may play a bit of cup, and then it happens quite slowly. Now, for both of you, it all happened quite quickly, but in different ways. I feel, and I'd be so. You, what you want to say? So I'll come to you first, Mel. Of it felt like. For me, watching from the outside, I was obviously so pleased for you two, my very good mates. I was so pleased to see both of you do so well. Um, we played that 18s tour. You you won the tw- Junior World Cup for 20s in Manchester, which I know is home for you, which I know is very special. And then it seemed like very quickly, you went from there to, you played a little bit for the first and then bam, Harry Mander was on the team sheet every week and tearing up in the Premiership and getting England recognition against the Barbarians. And it all happened very quickly. Is that how it felt for you? Like, how was it for you? Transitioning from age grade rugby to okay now the pressure on. I'm in the Premiership most weekends.
1: Yeah, it, it did happen. It did happen like that. Like, it, um, apart from playing against the Barbarians, I haven't done that yet. But, I've, I've
0: just made that up, then, mate. I've, I've yeah. made that up is what I've done there. So sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's all good. Yeah. So me and Lutz having come through, I think it's fair to say mine and Lutz's experience of a, the academy system was very different as well. Um, you know, lots can tell you about that, but um, I, I kind of mine was quite constant once I got in. I was in and amongst it in the academy age group stuff, and then, well, yeah, we both got to that position where we were playing Wandy's uh, second team for Saints for a couple of seasons, and we, I don't know, we both. I, I, I'm speaking on behalf of both of us here, but I think we both felt like we enjoyed that competition of well the opportunity to play first of all but the fact that we were completely out of the picture and we we enjoyed that kind of challenge of of trying to get in it and and trying to to have that breakthrough to get a chance and for me it came a bit a lot sooner than that because well we were both due to go out on loan and um a couple of injuries happened in in the centres at saints originally and that was when I I got kept back uh, rather than going out on loan, and and I got a couple of games, thankfully did all right, and then and then played quite regularly from there, and then obviously that that was unbelievable. Um, everything that I'd i wanted from it, and uh, to be playing regularly in various positions and learning my learning my craft on the job really um, was great. Uh, and then since I've had a couple of big injuries, which have Stem that progress but uh, I'm just desperate to get back on the horse now um, and, and push on with things and it's so good like for me because when I started playing there wasn't that many younger lads or, or guys that I was close with in the team whereas now the team is just my mates and uh, that's what's so cool um, mm-hmm. you know I, that's why I want to be playing regularly because we have such a good time day to day
0: yeah, mate, absolutely. And I'll, we will talk about injuries and in the show we have, today. so I want to talk more about the um, mental side dealing with injuries. I think it's a really interesting conversation. We'll come back to the back. Before I throw to Ludd for his gen, I just want to talk about, not unique, but a very rare situation at professional level is having your dad as your coach. I think we all do it when we're younger. Like Ludd said earlier about his dad driving to games, being like, you've got to do all that child I think we all had dads who were like that. But yeah. your dad, obviously everyone doesn't know, Jim Malander was... Well is Harry's dad, wasn't, was, still is, I believe. Um, but was DOR at Northampton for a long, long time. So talk to me Mal about what it's like coming through with your dad as your boss, because that's that's gotta be really quite tough actually, if being honest. Like that's just ammunition. I know I used it loads, just have a dig at you, opposition have a dig at you, and like even boys, the less favourable boys in the squad, I imagine there might be whispers behind so how how did you deal with that growing up and coming through? with that, not shadow hanging over you, but that constant people go, yeah, but his dad's the coach, sort of snarky comments.
1: Yeah, well, so until until he wasn't my coach anymore, I hadn't experienced anything else. Um, so for me, I mean, I just cracked on. I know that's a real boring answer, but I was just used to it and that was just how it was. I actually had the opposite of what you you guys are referring to when you were younger and your dad's saying, right, you need to do this, you need to do that, right? my dad was actually very uh, passive in that, in that regard. You know, if, if I if he wanted if I wanted advice rather I would go to him and he would happily you know, steer me in the right direction but he was never you know, he would never put it on me or like um, really really push me to play rugby until we moved to Northampton from Manchester I, I'd never played um, and so it was quite quite different for me when I was younger but then obviously yeah, at the club uh, with him being the coach you do get that stuff you get it from opposition team teams uh, and players you get it from um, I you get it you get it internally as well at times and you feel that heat but um, I've just backed myself that I knew why I was there and that I thought I was there for good reason and it was my ability and nothing else so uh, I think as long as you're confident in that then uh, it, it's not really an issue and you just crack on. Did you ever have any awkward
0: moments of so? We've all done it as young lads as well. You think you think you're ready before the coaches think you're ready. It's always they all, always you always think, "Yeah, no, I, I can do this," because you have got to back yourself. If you don't, who will? And the team will get announced on a Monday, and you're not there. And you go and knock on the door of the OR, and you ask why, and you have a disagreement, or whatever. Did you ever ever have any really awkward moments where you have that at work, and then it ever transitions home, or were you very good at while you were still living with your parents and you were younger, but still around the first team? Were you good at, like, work was work, home was home? So if you had disagreement with work, you'd leave it,
1: or did it ever spill over? Occasionally, it would almost spill over, but my mum was that uh, barrier to stop it, really. She <laughs> she was the um, enforcer in that she just said, right, that's that's not happening, that's not happening. We can talk sure. about other stuff at home. So that, that helped massively. Um, yeah, it's, it's always good having mums... Uh,
0: M- mate, mums mums are always the answer any issue mums are the answer um, <laughs> I think so. Um, Lus, I'm gonna come across to you as in you for again from the outside looking in I always knew how your crew was going because we chat and whatever we've got WhatsApp group of three us something in and whatever but it seemed like you quite like me in a way were struggling to make that step up you play the uh, you play in the a league you play in the um in the LV Cup games you play. You go out on loan, but we both went on loan to Coventry together. Actually, like we'd be on loan. <clears throat> and then so it looked like you were struggling, and then all of a sudden you weren't struggling. All of a sudden you were the best player in the premiership, and all of a sudden you were going to a World Cup for England. And like from the outside looking in, it seemed like that all happened in a whirlwind of 12 months. Of you finally got your shot. You went, Well, actually, I've been this great player this whole time. Look at what I can do. And the whole the rugby world suddenly realized what you can do. And now you're co-captain Saints. Now I don't know how you feel about that, but looking at that said it all happened like a bit of a whirlwind so how was that for you like how did you feel waiting for that chance because I know what it's like to wait and not get it or mm-hmm. only get it once and be frustrated so how did you deal with that frustration and then how was it when you got it and how's the last two years really been
2: well I mean the last two years have been crazy really um you' told me two years this time two years ago that would have been captain Machado club I told you you were crazy I was you know, still out on the town in, on a Wednesday night, <laughs> student night. So, um, it's 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 crazy. Really. I mean, I've really um really enjoyed the last two years, but I think a lot of that frustration probably came out the last two years. Um, I think you you touched on it before about going on loan and being away from the squad. Um, and as a rugby player and professional athlete, you you always back yourself. You always think you should be playing. So there was. I mean, uncomfortable conversations with coaching staff and whatnot, and you always think you're ready. But um, the reality was it, I had great players ahead of me and I wasn't quite ready. Um, it just took, like like, like Mal said, similar, a couple of injuries at the start of the season and then you get your nose in and you play one and then you perform OK and you get a chance to do it again and again. And before you know it, you've played a good run of premiership games. And I don't know, it, it, it's such a strange, career because everything turns around so quickly, like like that through injury or through through anything, changing coaches, whatever it might be. Everything changes so quickly. So to to sort of sum up the last two years, it's just it's sort of just happened and I haven't really had a chance to to look back at where I was three
0: years ago. Really, so it's been a been a bit bizarre, if I'm, if I'm honest. Can you can you pinpoint? obviously said injuries gave you the chance to get in because I think I'm a big believer in very few people get their chance by design. It happens through injuries to other people normally and then you take your chance. You're like, well, you can't drop me now. Was there anything that you changed either in your training or off field that you think helped you take that or was it just that you hadn't had the chance and then when you did, you were ready. Like you say, you were out in the town on Wednesday night a few years ago. Was there a was there a change in attitude to actually, no, this is my chance. I need to really maybe just be that little bit more professional. Like I'm not a young lad anymore. I need to grow up into this. Was there that sort of change as well?
2: Um, I don't think it was a professional change. It was definitely a mental change. But I think it was it was a point where I'd one year left of my contract and I hadn't played many first-team games, hadn't really performed when I had. So, um, you know what it's like when you you see a lot of these players get to that sort of crunch point where they've got a year left in their contract and they haven't played. And it, get, it gets that point where you either, you see lads go to work in, in the business world or you, or they go play in a champ on, on, on that one team and they, they never really make that transition. So, for me at that point, I, I probably knew for me that was sort of crunch time and I was sort of considering well, should I carry on doing this? I really wasn't enjoying it too much. So, when Chris Boyd came in, he sort of said well, listen, I'm going to be honest with you, mate, you're, you're not in my plans, but I'm going to give you a chance to perform. And I just sort of said, well, I haven't got much to lose at the moment. I can not relax, but I can enjoy myself. I can take the pressure off myself and just be able to rip in and and being able to play with freedom and um, enjoyment and just being able to be like, well, if it's my last year at Northampton, it's my last year at Northampton, I'm going to rip in and give it a good crack. And to go out every week and be able to do that was something that I know helped me massively. Um, and that that mindset probably transferred into the into the World Cup stuff at the end of the season as well. I mean, I got there um, unexpectedly and we, we, we sat down the first day and we said, we're going to set goals. And I sat down with um, Edmo, who was a goal-setting guy there. And he said, oh, what are your goals? And I said, oh, well, you know, so I never expected to be here anyway. So it'd be quite nice if I could stay in for the whole week. And then they get to next week, and it's like, oh well, hopefully I'll stay in for the first cut. And then it was, oh, hopefully I'll go to the um, Italy camp just before the uh, just before the plane flies out. And then it was, okay, let me get on the plane. And before you know it, you you're gutted, you're not playing in a semi final yet for for England. So it all it all changes so quickly. And um, yeah, I mean, I mean, just just being able to sit, feel like I can take every. Opportunity as it comes, rather than thinking about what's going to happen in the future, was was something I think helped me massively as a
0: player. Yeah, mate. And as you say, it does it does all happen so quickly, and things change. It's testament to you the way you've handled that frustration and channeled it into where you are now. I want you to just touch on obviously you said earlier like you're captaining your childhood club. How how would you find that? Of your 24, 25, you've got people like Courtney Laws there, who's got just shy of 100 caps for England. How is that ever? I don't know it's different every club, is it? And Tim, they never have to cap people like I who have more experience on the pitch. Or is it the fact that you boys are a majority young squad? Does that help massively? Yeah, I think probably having those big
2: characters, Courtney, Dan Bigger and Alex Waller beside me doing it as well probably helps the situation. Um, they, they're, they're players you don't need to worry about trying to lead or trying to do anything differently with because they've been there and done it all before and they take a lot of the weight off your off your shoulders for you. biggsy's always keen to speak up and, and Courts as well. And I've got a good relationship with both of them. So in that regard, it probably makes my job a, a whole lot easier. It's just been um, frustrating. We haven't had more opportunities to be able to to play and play as captain and, 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 and sort of learn off these lads as well. So, um, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, I haven't necessarily felt the, the pressure of it yet, but that's because... The lads have been performing, I think, and I've got, and I've got some great players around me to, to lead as well. So um, I'm enjoying it and, and hopefully we get some few more opportunities in the near
0: future to, to, to go out and do it. Yeah, hopefully so, man. You talk there about um, frustration not being able to play, which brings me back to Mr Malander, who you've had a pretty frustrating few seasons with injury, Mal. Uh, I talked to her about your rise, and I got it wrong with the barbarians. But you're in England camp. I'm rather saying that way. You went to a camp, and yeah, right. very much, very much in the picture. And then you've had a few injuries. Do you want to just run people through who don't know the injuries you faced the last few um, few seasons, but how you how you've reacted physically to that. But more, I want you to talk more if if you're okay with it, about how you've dealt with that mentally, because I think people can take from that not just how they deal with injuries, because not many of the listeners are going to go out and do their knee in the tackle or whatever like you might have, but actually. How you deal with more the mental side of setbacks because your career suddenly was going, you could see it on the upward trajectory, it was going exactly where you wanted, and then suddenly it comes crashing down because your body gives up on you. So that sort of setback I think anyone can take from how they deal with different setbacks in different of life, especially at the moment when there's so many setbacks being thrown at us all over the place, everything going on. How did you how did you deal with that? Because it can't have been easy.
1: No, it wasn't that it wasn't easy at all, Charlie. And I think I've had injuries previous to these big ones um, and, you know, like an ankle surgery or, um, you know, like a soft tissue injury. And with those, you, the diagnosis happens and they say to you, right, it's going to be a couple of weeks, Harry, you can't play for t- two weeks. Then you know the fix you're going to be back for, or it might be 12 weeks of an ankle. And, and by the time you've had the surgery and you get into it, it just, you're there already mate it's crazy how quick it goes um and so those were those were never an issue but then i had um I had uh, some migraines as a result of concussion um which were very sporadic um so one day I'd be feeling great the next I'd be feeling terrible um and I could do a bit of training and then I couldn't do anything um and they just kept coming back uh to the point where you know, all the advice that I was getting medically uh, from these uh, the the people in charge were saying you need to take a little bit of time just to see if we can get this to settle down. And eventually it did, um, got to the bottom of it. And just as I got myself back and feeling really good and and playing playing well, I thought, um, I got my big knee injury. So when you've ruptured multiple ligaments and there's a few other bits going on in your knee, they say, right, well, it's going to be nine months minimum maybe a year and then that turns out to be 18 months because of a couple of complications Uh, it's quite difficult but I think I would relate my approach to it or or what I've learned from it very similar to the way Lutz went about you know his rapid progression through playing for England in that I I struggled when I was quite long-sighted and when I was thinking about coming back and when I was you know, watching loads of rugby at the start and thinking, oh, you know, I could learn this, I could do this. When actually I took it, I know it's so cliched and so boring, but when I literally thought about what I could achieve that week, and it may have been to get five degrees range in my knee in the, in the first week or whatever it was. Um, and then suddenly those weeks add up or those days add up. And by the time, you know, 18 months actually flew by, um, and by the time I got myself back, I was like, wow, that, that's gone, in a way, that's gone very quickly um, because, of, because of that approach. So that, I'm not going to lie and say it was all plain sailing, but it, there were there's some really tough times. But I think the support network that I've got around me um, through my friends and family um, and especially the guys at the club, I think that helped enormously. Uh, the support from the physio department in particular at the club has been exceptional. Um, I've had the best care I could ask for, um, and that helped, and that's and that's why I've got myself back. Um, so now I'm just like having had almost a couple of years of, uh, properly away from it. I've had a couple of games this season. I'm like, let's get out there, please, <laughs> please let let me just let me let me loose, let me play. Um, it's like at the minute I'm having to restrict my load on on training just as we get back to to playing again. I'm like I don't I don't want to stop I'm I'm feel, I'm feeling great let me let me carry on let me like yesterday I missed what five minutes at the end of the session I was like let me just do yeah. let me do five minutes come on yeah. i <laughs> enough minutes get me out there
0: yeah man and that honestly that's so good to hear and like see you because like, we've spoken obviously privately but I, I was um, between you and you were going through it and it was tough for you I think something you said there that's so important is about a support network. And I think whatever your issue is, whether it's an injury in sport, whether it's mental issues, whether it's uh, work-related issues, family, whatever it is, I think it's so important that everyone, without even realising, will have a support network, whether it's friends, family, whoever. And you do talk to them because I think especially as men, especially as macho rugby players and this bit of bullshit we feed ourselves at times, like, feel like we can't ask for help. And I think I know I've learned that lesson the hard way of actually it's fine to ask and you need to. So... I think it was great to hear you talk about your support network being so key. I think something else we've got to touch on is massive credit to you is what you've thrown yourself into off the pitch with the extra time you've got while you haven't been playing. And just want you to talk about the amazing work you've been doing with the Saints Foundation, mate, because so you Mal won the twenty twenty community player of the year for the premiership for the work he's been doing. He won't mention it, so I will. Um uh, hes been doing incredible work and that was that was recognized by Gallagher Premiership. But just talk to me briefly about Saints Foundation and how you got involved and the great work they do, please.
1: Um, yeah, so I, we've spoken a bit about it before, but for those that don't know, I just when when I got injured, I just wanted to find something that um, I could really get stuck into. Um, obviously, my rehab was taking up a lot of my time, but the nature of it, especially in the early stages, is that you get so much free time that you. You need another focus, and I do a, a part-time degree as well, which I'm almost I'm finishing this summer. Um, so that kept me a little bit busy, but I wanted someone else, and I have I get on really well with the guys at the foundation. And to be honest, it it only it hadn't really got off the ground um, a couple of years ago, and uh, I got involved, started going down, seeing how I could potentially help out. Um, And then I started to realise as I I went probably weekly um, that they they could help me a lot as well. So I I mentored a couple of lads um, and I have mentored a couple of lads. I'm mentoring a couple more at the minute. And uh, it's not particularly hands-on, but uh, you realise like these kids that they're helping are from really troubled backgrounds at times and have had it really tough. Uh, Their upbringings have been very difficult from abusive parents um to you know trouble with education or involvement in in crime and gangs and the saints foundation the work they do is unbelievable and even more so during this period of of covid where everything has to be distanced they've somehow managed to you know increase their interaction with the community and and help even more people which i think is unbelievable so um yeah, I'd, I'd, anyone that's listening that, that wants to check it out, I'd really recommend that you just head over to their social pages and just have a little look, see what they're doing, because um, for me, it's given me so much back, as well as hopefully helping a couple of kids out.
0: Yeah, absolutely, mate. And, yeah, please make sure you do, Anyway, you don't have to be a Saints fan, just check them out, because a lot of the clubs in the Premiership their Foundation are doing great work, so if you're a fan of another club, want to check out yours as well, because... Yeah, especially like Mal said, through these tough times, you've got to help each other out. I am sorry if everyone listening heard me, the big idiot, just gulping on my water at the start of Mal talk. And I realised I was doing it, it was quite close to the microphone. So if the boys can't edit that out, sorry if I gulped over your uh, your talk on um, on the foundation there, Mal. Uh, but no, honestly, excellent work. And it's, like you say, it's so important, I think, that you give to them, but also great that you can give back to you and you're, you're finding so much out of it. You're listening to the Brew Rebecca Beckett podcast, powered by 92 Degrees. Now, powered by 92 Degrees isn't just some snazzy catchphrase the guys at 92 came up with. They genuinely live it, and I want to take this moment to thank them for all the support they've given us. This podcast is quite literally powered by them, and without their support would never have happened. Now, as well as the support they give the podcast, I myself am personally powered by 92 Degrees in the in the shape of the caffeine in their coffee. Every day I start my day with a 92 Degrees coffee, and um, if you want to be powered by 92degrees like I am, make sure you head over to their Instagram at 92degrees.coffee, their Twitter at 92degrees underscore, or their website www.92degrees.coffee, because over there they've got your beans, your subscriptions, your keep cups, independent coffee guides, your presses, and anything else any of you coffee lovers could need to get you through your day. Uh, when you're there, make sure you use the code BWB20 to get 20% off whatever you buy. That's BWB20 for 20% off. We are powered by 92 degrees and you can be too. Now, we could sit here and talk about rugby on pitch, off pitch, all day. The three of us just love it. But I think, I'm not sure how many listeners we keep if we did that. So what I'm now going to move over to is a game you both played with me before when on Instagram uh, in the first lockdown, when, we, when this podcast was born from where a teammate. So for those of you, this is the first time listening, I'm going to ask the boys a question. They're going to reply with who they've played with at any point in their career any point uh can can be the answer so i'm not going to ask you lads who your worst fashion sense is because the last time we played this you both said me and uh this is this is my podcast and you're not going to be mean about me on it so we're not asking that one um (laughs) So the first question I want to ask is obviously this podcast is powered by coffee and while you two morons don't drink coffee really, which I don't understand, I don't know how you get three days out without, without doing it. I said to them both before it came on, I was like, oh lads, uh, degrees, I'd love to send you some coffee, what are, your, uh, what are your addresses? And they both replied, very kind of me but I don't really drink coffee so it'd probably just be wasted on me and I was like, Right, okay, that's that's going to make my coffee podcast a little bit difficult, but we'll see how we can manage it. Um, but who is the biggest coffee nose or drinker that either of you have played with? Because there is a huge coffee culture in rugby, and some of the boys that like, I like coffee, some of the boys really like coffee. Like, they get a bit weird about it. So I'm going to come to you first, Lutz. So who's the biggest coffee nose you've played with?
2: Luke and without okay. a shadow of a doubt. This guy, he sits around the coffee machine offering to make lads' coffee. He's that into it. Like he enjoys making lads' coffees. I mean, he's got like a four or five grand coffee machine at his house as well. So yeah, it's got to be a LCD himself.
1: Hey, Mal? For me, it's got to be Henry Taylor, uh, Beckett. He, the guy like, at the club, we've got this lovely machine and he doesn't let anyone else near it. Like, if you, it's proper social distancing. If you come within two metres of his machine, he's he's fuming he's like he's moaning all the time and i think the boys it's got to a point where the boys actually like fiddle with it just to wind him up yeah um, yeah but actually having said that mate i had one of his flat whites about a week ago not the best <laughs> he won't be enjoying that if he if he hears um now like you say,
0: there, those lads are very lucky to have their fancy coffee machines uh if you don't or even if you do Uh, At home, if you are looking to have one and you want to get some really good coffee at home, make sure you head over to 92 Degrees either at www.92degrees.coffee or on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook as well. Actually, they're on them all. Uh, They've got everything you need in their shop there. And if you use the code BWB20 when you check out, you'll get 20% off. So it's a bargain as well. Great coffee and a bargain. What's there not to like? Um, Moving on from coffee though. This one you will enjoy, boys, it's a chance for you to throw some lads under the bus. Um, who who you've played with, coming to you first here, has the worst chat. So that can be either round the club, they're killing jokes, they're bad bad, they or they and they think it's good, but they're just not funny. Or you can go down the line of they're worse on night out, try to chat up girls, like it's just not working for them. Uh, who springs to
1: mind with those two? If it's both categories, I am not go with Alex Mitchell right okay what what does mini mitch have what's his issue shocking just everything you know like name dropping his number of appearances uh the club to girls or whatever it may be like he's just the worst chat His his brother is such a better lad than him james he's he's much better lad um Um, yeah we've got alex
0: We've all played with James. Um, I've never had the uh, the fortune or misfortune, by the sounds of it, of being around Alex quite as much. When when are we as rugby players going to learn that girls don't care how many times we've played? Like when <laughs> they, don't, they don't care how many times or who you played for. They just they just don't care. We've got to we've got to learn that at some point. Luds, what about you? I can see you smiling away on my other Zoom screen. Who are you, who springs to mind for you? He's he's stolen
2: my one. I was going to say Mitch. I've seen Mitch night out, showing videos of his try to girls no, from, from no, the day. He's, no, he's been showing done. Instagram profiles, his blue tick, everything. Um, but if That's... it's not Alex Mitchell, um, on the, oh, i go on the pitch chat, it's got to be Mikey Hayward. He's, he's just right. chirping up constantly. And to the point where you speak to people at other clubs and they're like, what is Mikey Hayward like? Because he's always checking terrible chat around.
0: So. Um, yeah, on the pitch have you got, uh, have you got think... an example? Have you got an example of Mikey's badger oh, on the pitch my... and it spring to mind? God, it's everything. It's literally everything. Like
2: he'll will just scream whatever comes into mind. Um, he's he's like um, what's his name of Anchorman? Like Prick. Lamb. <laughs> that's, <yeah.
0: laughs> that's Mikey Award. Oh dear. Um I tell you what I thought, Mike Cup, it's it's probably not worse chat, it's just weird. It's Paul Hill who I play with at England, you boys have a Saints. Yeah. He's just one of the strangest men I've ever met. Like, you'll be sat around and that like, the conversation topics he comes up with are just, just incredible.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I can't mention half the conversations uh, he, he starts, but, um, yeah, he's a <laughs> bizarre bloke, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so, loads will come to you first, and then, Mal, I'm going to come to you second. You'll understand when I ask it, but you can't answer yourself here, Okay. And you're going to wonder what I'm saying, but you'll know one ask. Luds, if you had to have someone goal kick from the halfway for your life, so if they get it, you live. If they miss, you're dying. Who are you choosing to take that kick? Oh, it's got to be Matt, is not it? It's got to be <laughs> He's not going to say me. But... No, no, no. No, 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 mate, no one's going to say you, Luds, unless they go to wish. Let's be honest here. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's gotta be Mal. Mal or um, James Wilson.
0: I call him the hammer because he can kick on this sense. But yeah, one of the two. Okay. And then Mal, who are you? As I said, you can't choose yourself. It's halfway, straight in front. The conditions are all right. Like they're not perfect, but they're not awful. Who's
1: who, who's kicking for you? Stephen Myler. Okay. How come? Just 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 the Iceman, Mr. Reliable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's he's kicked a few goals in his time. Okay, is that, is that a calm way of saying he's
0: old? Uh, he's old. He's old. Yeah, he's old. He's experienced. <laughs> experienced. Uh, all right, last one, lads. And it's the same one I uh, ended the last time we spoke like this with, but it's one of my favourites. Um, let's say we fast forward a few years and you both got daughters, but they're amazingly our age somehow. I'm not really sure how it's happened, but it's some weird <laughs> vortex. And they said, they said, Dad, I'd like to introduce you to my boyfriend. And you turn round and a former teammate of yours is stood there, or a current teammate is stood there as your daughter's boyfriend, who would you most want it to be,
1: and who would you least want it to be? Harry Mounder. Um, I think Hilly's got to take the least. Okay, explain why. Yeah. <laughs> he's just a horrible bloke. And he's actually got a daughter now, so I feel sorry for. But. Yeah, Healy Hilly just in all areas just a horrible bloke, and most likely it's a tough one. Um, I think I review would be alright. I think both of you would be alright. That's kind. That's um, kind, thanks, That's
0: nice. Uh, Lugs, what about you? Um,
2: who I'd most like my daughter to bring home? Probably someone like R C Tuwale. Okay, one of the nicest guys in uh world rugby. Um, just chilled out. Um, yeah, probably ace. Least, oh god, there's so many. There's, there's so honestly many. so many. Yeah, so many.
0: Um, that's the thing. We all be an easy option. Yeah, we all know each other far too well. Like, we all know way oh, too much about each other that you'd exactly. be befri- like, really? So, is Mitch yeah, there imagine just looking them <laughs> in the eye around the table? Oh is my M- god. Is Mitch in just because you know how horribly you'd be talking to her and how he would have chatted her up and just been yeah. there like... You'd be like, how's my daughter falling for that? Yeah, and being around that little rat day in, day out as well. I don't think I could do it. Uh, so you are going with Mitch? I think Mitch, yeah. Okay. Uh, right, well, you two have got some relationships to fix when this goes out. point, uh, <laughs> Because you've got some apologies to it, but... As I said at the start, you boys are very kindly giving me some of your time on your day off. So I'm going to wrap it up for you because I've kept you far too long. But before we go, I just want to ask you one last thing. Come to you first, lads. Um, if you could have one game again, your favourite game ever, which one would you go back and experience again? Oh, ever. Um, I'd probably want to
2: do a redo of our under-20s cup final against New Zealand. Oh, in a um, different different result not, this time. Yeah, different result. Just because I think there's a couple of things we have done differently, and I don't know. That's that's that feels like the one that really
0: got away. In all honesty, I tell you, I tell you what I do differently that day. First of all, I try and be picked, not be twenty uh, fourth man. <laughs> That'd be the first thing I try and do. Uh, but second of all, if I couldn't redo that bit, if I was still twenty fourth man. What I wouldn't do is still be in the changing rooms get my shower after the warm-up when Max Clark scored his try in the second minute and missed that. <laughs> Honestly, it was me, it was me, it was, it was me at Owen Hills again. Always me and <laughs> Owen Hills. And we've done the warm-up, we've sung the lamp on the sideline, uh, watched the hacker, and then those people know it was it was summer in Italy, so it is so hot. Yeah. It's been like, look we're going to go and get a quick shower here and get, our, like, shorts and polos on so we can enjoy the game rather than just sat dripping in sweat. Because I'm, like, I'm my head taped up as well, like, ready, because you're there going, it's World Cup final, Someone might roll their ankle, I've got to be ready. So we yeah. go, and get, go and get a shower and literally, as I'm in the shower, I just hear this roar, and run out like to the edge of the tunnel, our towels, and just see you boys celebrating. And we're like, "Ah, oh, shit, we missed the try. We missed the score at the second minute." And then we then we came out and watched it, or went downhill a little bit. So maybe it was our fault on the sideline that we didn't win that one. Um, okay, that's interesting. No one's ever actually done a redo. I like that. No one's ever uh, told me what they'd redo. So that's quite a good one. Uh, Mal, what would you go for, mate?
1: I'd probably go for the. Um... The year after your your boys' final, um, the final that we we had uh, that we managed to win that that was just an amazing day all around in Manchester, um, and night day and night we got the whole day so um, yeah I would take that one please Becky. yeah
0: mate I remember um, coming to watch that because obviously I was at home in Liverpool so it just popped over for it yeah so many of my mates playing that because for people who don't are probably wondering why Mal played a year after us we played the same 18s that the ages change and it goes on birth year not school year so Lodge and I are both a year old than Harry in that sense so I remember watching that and being so happy for you all like so many of our age group our, our mates were there playing be' so happy but also you have this slight tinge of oh, I wish I was two months younger like if I was two months younger I could be out there with them like playing at a home World Cup It'd be amazing that was the atmosphere because it was played at Man City's training ground stadium wasn't it so I think it, had, it seated like 10,000 it was just packed with English people going mad it was um it was such a great atmosphere, the, the sort you want to play in. Um, lads, as I said, thank you for coming on. Um, I will let you get on with your day now. If people have enjoyed listening to you both, which I'd like to think they have, uh, where can they find you on social media just to hear more about you both? Instagram, Twitter, everything. Yeah, you know,
2: just Lewis Ludlum.
0: Lewis Ludden, there you go. You've got to plug your handle is what I'm learning here, lads. You've got to tell oh, me I what see. your yeah, handle yeah. is. Just Lewis Dudlon. Nice and simple. Now,
1: that's just as simple Harry Malander um, I don't post much content I'm not an influencer like Ludge. So. yeah but when it, I, when he does it's worth it and if you, get, if you follow if you follow
0: Ludge you might get to see his dog which is really great because he's's uh, he's got a really cute, see a dog He's got a really cute dog um obviously if you want to follow 92 degrees they are on Instagram at 92 degreescoffee they're on Twitter at 92 degrees underscore they're on Facebook just search 92 degrees and their website is www.92 degreescoffee the podcast is at brew with beckett on both instagram and twitter uh, if you have enjoyed today please feel free to leave us a positive review on apple spotify or youtube wherever you watch it or listen to it it really does uh, make a difference to us and hopefully get more people listening uh, lads really thank you for coming on it's been really fascinating chat and great to catch up and when COVID is over we need to get together for coffee or maybe even something a bit stronger and have a uh, a proper catch up so uh, thank you very much for coming on and giving me your time today lads Definitely, pleasure mate, pleasure Um, Cheers Beckett, good
1: luck with the podcast.
0: Cheers mate, I hope you've all enjoyed it, this has been Brew with Beckett powered by 92 Degrees and I'll see you next week for another brew